Welcome to the Getting Real with Hillary show, where ordinary heroes tell extraordinary stories during unique and never been heard before conversations with your host, Hillary Arno Burns. Hillary's unique listening and way of asking questions results in conversations that aren't usually talked about. So you can create the life that you really want, but are afraid you can't really have. We are demonstrating the greatness in the human spirit and creating a world where we all reclaim our birthright of joy, happiness, purpose, and passion. Now, here's your host, Hilary Arno Burns. Welcome to the Getting Real with Hillary show. And today we have a very, very, very special guest. But before then, I always have to promote my books. I have three books that I want you all to know about. The first one is a memoir. And this was the beginning of me getting unstuck and getting real. Again, this is the Getting Real with Hillary show. And then this book is about saying what, what we don't say, saying what can't be said. And this is about real talk. And if you feel like you're not speaking out or there's things you're not saying, go to realtalkwithhillary.com, take my quiz, and let's talk about it because it does get you free, as you will see in all of my books. And then the third book is probably my favorite right now, uh, Your Bullshit is Your Blessing. It's about tools and techniques that I came up with when I was what I call on the left side of life, which was not a fun place. I thought there was something wrong, something wrong with me, always trying to fix myself. And then I realized, oh, it's just the left side. So it got me over to the right. I have techniques and tools for getting over to the right where things are happy. We all love each other. We belong and there's possibility. And you can just be aware when you're over on the left and get free. So anyway, that's my little shtick, spiel, whatever. Now I would like to introduce my very special guest. Um, you know what? First, I'm going to show you her website. Her name is Jessica Leah, and this is her website. She has a website called um, meandmysong.com or jessicaleah.com, and she is a singer-songwriter with a very, very special twist to what she does, um, and I'll let her talk about that, and I'm just going to say welcome, Jessica. And uh, we are going to um, dedicate today's show to her cousin, Shannon, who she just found out, yeah, took her life. I'll let uh, Jessica talk about that. But so, Jessica, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank and you. Is there anything you want to say about Shannon? Um, you know, anything not to get us both well, crying? I know, right? Good way to start us off there, Hillary. <laughs> hey, it's about. I'm glad you did because I so the audience yeah. contacted Hillary yesterday. And I was like, I just found this out, so uh, I'm still gonna go on. I'm in show business too. We didn't find the phrase the show must go on for no reason when you set these things up. You got to follow through. Um, but I did just find this out yesterday, so everybody should know if all of a sudden I start getting teary eyed. <laughs> uh, it's a it's really raw. Um, Shannon was very supportive of what I do. She called me rock star cousin. Oh, so uh, so it's going to be tough. But uh, Hillary said we could dedicate the show to her. She would totally dig that. I think that was awesome. Yeah, and I can I can feel her. And um, what she said is she's sorry, and she's here for you. Yeah, I still feel her too. I told her, you know, that was one of the first things I said. Uh, I said, you might be hearing a lot of voices right now that are frustrated and angry with what you did, but you listen to your cousin, let go of the guilt, just go straight to God because he's going to show you that you don't need to feel the guilt. He's not judging you, you know? And uh, she struggled a lot, you know? It was like on, on the one hand, when I got the news, I was very shocked because you always are when you hear that kind of thing. Um, on the other hand, it was like, it sort of made sense in some ways because she just struggled a lot with her, her health, uh, physical stuff. And, uh, there's no way that can't affect your physiology and your chemicals, which very much affects your brain. You know, uh, 
And what was going on with her? Do you know? She had all kinds of stuff. She was in a lot of pain. She had a lot of neck issues and body issues, mm. hormonal issues. And uh, much to her credit, she really tried to, to heal herself. I mean, that was a big part of our connection because I'm into healing and all that stuff. And we we'd go to healing expos together and we'd always swap intel like, hey, I just found this new technology or this new supplement or whatever. And uh, so she really tried. Um, and so her brain really malfunctioned a lot. She had a, a, some brain damage from a number of years ago. I teased her about it all the time. I'm like, oh, you're a mess, Shannon. Because <laughs> she had oh. a hard time retaining things. And uh, so I, I have no doubt. She also, she recently had a concussion. And the last couple of times we had been talking, she had been, you know, sort of joking, but seriously saying, gosh, I'm having more difficult time with my brain than I normally do. So uh, even though it was a, an act of passion and a moment of passion, I, I I don't doubt for one second that that concussion played a large role in it. And, um, you know, I just to take the opportunity since people are listening, I can't emphasize enough how important it is to 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 take care of your body and your chemical balances. And because that affects the way we feel and the, and the way we can live in ways that that many Westerners are not very savvy to. <laughs> so. Mm -hmm. And what happened, what, what was the cause, you know, not that this is about her, but it's dedicated to her. So we can talk about it. Yeah. Um, um, what happened that she had neck pain? Did she get, was it from an injury or was something? Mal so, she unfortunately had a, a genetic predisposition to, I don't remember the name of it, but it's something where your neck could easily break. Yeah. So the doctors went in and put a rod in her and she, for, for many, many, many years was, was, you know, could barely, she always had a, a neck brace and it was just always was pain, you know, constantly mm. didn't stop her from smiling, but yeah. And she's, so she's yeah. active, you know, she would, she would go hiking and she, she didn't care. She, she didn't, she didn't let it block her. She was, you know, didn't play the handicap part or anything. She was, I'm going to go climb a mountain. And <laughs> so, it was cool. Wow. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, thank you for sharing her with us. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad I could. And, so now the audience, yeah. if I start crying and the audience is like, God, is Jessica Leachick is a cry ass. What's her problem? <laughs> well, I they already think I'm, they know I am one and oh, I don't apologize. I don't apologize for it. That's part of the book. <laughs> is that emotions are fine and crying is actually well i did a blog called crying and screaming are the new orgasm because <laughs> it actually it actually is freeing like one time i just i was so mad at somebody i won't say who and i i just screamed to someone other than that person like the f bomb everything everything and just let it out like i've never let it out before and then afterwards i was like like, I just started laughing and I was like, wow, that was awesome. Like I never had let it out before. And so crying is good. And even, you know what? It's, it's human. And I think it's, it's healthy rather than <laughs> keeping it. You needed a cigarette after that one, huh? Was, uh... Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't thought about it that way. Yeah. No, right. I absolutely, I absolutely agree. And it's, um, that's part of, why I turned and still continue to turn the music because uh, the the matrix we're in isn't incredibly supportive of the expression of those emotions. And I think part of it is because we get this idea that that is us. So not only can we not behave that way in public, which is good, we need to have civility and all that sort of, we can have people running around screaming all the time, uh, except for designated, maybe we could have designated scream areas. Yes, that would be what a great idea. Yeah, right. Oh, I'm feeling section. angry. I'm going into the bullpen here. Oh, yeah, I'll be right back. <laughs> what uh, a great idea. But that was literally why uh I literally why I turned to music because I, I realized just as a little girl that and I don't say this to to get pity from anyone, but the message I got very clearly was that my feelings don't matter and they're not appropriate. And um there you go. I found this sort of strange irony in that I took those feelings and I put them in music because I started composing, you know, like six years old, I started making piano pieces and it was 
at first really confusing to me because I had the younger child mind that here I was taking these same feelings that I would ultimately be punished for or ridiculed for and putting them into music and expressing them that way. And, and then through the music, I was applauded and, and rewarded, you know? So it was, it was sort of a, what? <laughs> Matrix is weird. Yeah. But it, yeah. Made, it made to, uh, to use an overused term, it made a safe space for, for me to feel and to express. Mm. And that's literally where I went to go feel and express. And I, I never, I never stopped going there and I never went anywhere else because I never found any other space as inviting or safe or able to untie those emotional knots as the space of music is. You know, it's it's like what what you said with your scream. I mean, that's it, that was an energetic release, right? And that's why you were freed after it was this thing in you that you had to get out. And and you got it out and then you were able to laugh, you know? And that's when you know yeah. you're yeah you can laugh at something you're there you know you've turned well some yeah and what I found is like I used to think you know because same as you like don't be upset why aren't you perky and peppy that's the you'll see (laughs) if you read this book you'll see that all over the book that's what my I'm going to why aren't you perky and peppy so you know if I can just admit like wow I'm really in a bad mood (laughs) and laugh Instead of being exactly. in a bad mood, I can release it. And then I can start laughing because who knows? I didn't know you could say that, you know, but <laughs> this is all about getting real, saying what you don't think you can say and getting free. So, yeah. Right. Anyway, taking, so thank you. Yeah. Taking that so, approach, is, it separates you from the emotion itself because. Yes. Right. The laughter because you can see yourself being angry. And part of you is addressing that separately going, look at me. I'm really angry. <laughs> <laughs> So you yeah. become, you'll become the anger. It's something right. that's going through you and, and out. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, all right. So we were, you had said, let's get, let's get to you now. Um, <laughs> how you got started, you were three and a half to four. What the heck? <laughs> well, what I, were you doing at three and a half to four? It's funny because I was just interviewed by a, a an indie magazine recently and they asked me how I got started and that was the first thing that came to my mind because I remember in fact one of my brothers likes to tease me about it because he would catch me because I would go off by myself I'd climb a tree or go in a bush or hide under a bed and I would just make up songs and they would just be me singing to myself about what was going on in my life and what I was thinking about it you know oh and uh so I realized that's kind of weird right but but that's that's literally, it was never a, a thing I didn't do. It was just, wow. it was just instinctive. It was a coping mechanism. It's like I was just talking about, it was the place I could go to really create that separation of where I was looking at myself and my life. And, and not only expressing the emotional aspects, the energetic, visible and tangible stuff, but also putting words to it you know, which activates all different, I wouldn't have thought this, but it activates all parts of the brain that that really help you to, to be in a situation without getting swallowed by it, which is what the matrix is always trying to do. (laughs) And, and were you, did you play the piano? Was there music in your house or did this come from nowhere? Uh, Well, before it, I was doing that before the piano. Well, there was always a piano. uh, One of my, uh, favorite pictures of is and my grandpa was holding me and I was just a little baby and there was this little piano about this big and I was playing on it so there was a draw there you know from the start um and then my wonderful brothers destroyed that at one point and I was I was upset about it so there was uh, some family friends who had an old kind of keyboard thing and uh I was hey I was just playing on it and um I was about six years old um I would hear music and play it and my mom noticed that and she had always wanted piano lessons her mom never got her so I remember the moment I actually talk about this on my bio page I remember the moment when I heard her call out to my dad Scott we need to get Jesse in piano lessons and I just remember going yeah do that do that because I just felt like that's yeah I should do that um and I was I was never a fan of lessons because of the discipline they required (laughs) but I always created and so I just had this sense that I should learn this because it's going to make what I want to do better, you know, because 
So you could just sit down and play. You didn't need, like when you said you sat down, because I needed lessons. I mean, I knew the notes. I played from the music. I did not, could not make up my own song or improvise or anything. Could you just sit down and play something? Yeah, I mean, it was childlike in nature. I would I would pick out Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star and Mary Had a Little Lamb, you know, and that was yeah. kicked off the lessons. Uh, but the composition part, yeah, it just it just started right away because I there was wow. it was um, there was this was part of actually what what why you contacted me is because I was talking about that pulling the intangible into the tangible. And that was I wouldn't have had those words as a kid, but it, I felt like there were there were things energetically that were happening and and I would play and I would be like, yeah, that's, that's it. That's what's happening. And it was a, a relief to do it, you know, to, to make it be there audibly. So, yeah. Wow. So, so you could feel it. Could other people feel it too? You mean, or, some- or, or uh, just in general, because we know we all need to work on our telepathic skills. If that's what you're- yeah, no, no, no. But like, no, so you could, I mean, you were little. I mean, we haven't even gotten to elementary yet. You're still three and a half in my eyes. But when you say you could feel the energy, like, you know how you can you can hear a song and you get, you do get that energy, you know, like you get that happy or you get something. Um, Absolutely. Could other people too, or were you too little? I mean, I don't know if. I'm not exactly sure what you're asking. Are you? T- I, I think so. At the time when I started getting a piano in lessons, I was around. Yeah. And I actually, this might answer your question. When um, I realized that I actually talked about this in one of my episodes of my video series called Me and My Song, <laughs> where I had my first experience. In that point, I was only about seven or so. And I that was when I realized it, it really it was kind of, it sticks out because it was painful to realize that nobody actually was feeling what, what I was feeling. And yeah. I, I, up until that point, I hadn't thought of it because, because I was feeling what they were feeling and, and everything that was around. And so it was just this presumption that we always make that other people's experiences are the same as ours. Right. 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 <laughs> as I was going on this presumption that, that there would be an understanding of what was in here because I had a sort of understanding of that myself. And uh, I had this moment where it just hit me like a ton of bricks, holy crap. And that's actually my song that I, that I wrote that was inspired by that moment is called Trapped Inside, because it was like, I realized I'm in here alone and there's nobody knows what's in here. And I, they don't, they're never gonna understand this, you know? And it was really then that I just, that I really turned to music because I realized there was nothing out there that was gonna, that was going to be able to interpret or or uh, understand or have compassion for the the inner struggle. Of course, you know I've gotten older and I realized that that wasn't a truth entirely, but that's what my little kid mind told me. Right, 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 right. Okay. All right. So you, yeah. Okay. So um, you said, you know, you were brown nose in elementary school. So you were like a little good girl. Right. And then you got kicked out of middle school. How does, how does that happen? Well, I wouldn't say that I was a good girl in elementary school, Oh, okay. <laughs> but I did brown nose the teachers. I was always teacher's pet. I got straight A's. I, it was, it was a way I wasn't happy at home, you know, so it was a way of uh, finding a sort of a way to get validated and, and valued. And, um, but I just kind of realized crossing over into from that fifth to sixth grade elementary into middle school that I was, I was just like, this is bullshit. I can cuss on your show. So, uh, and I just really, the, the sort of lie of, in my opinion, of, of public indoctrination, I mean, education, uh, just hit me at that age. And I was just like, this is stupid. This is a prison system. And I, I just rebelled against that. Um, and I wasn't an awful rebel, you know, I just spoke out. I was very outspoken when they would, when the institution would require or demand stupid things, I would say that's stupid. Are we here to learn or are you here to control us? You know? And uh, they didn't like that at all. Like, like what kind of stuff did you consider prison um, or institution? Oh, 
Yeah, just so I can understand. They were yeah. just over the top. It was like uh, we weren't allowed to walk around in groups of more than three because that was gang related. And so guess what Jessica did? She would regularly organize groups of like five or six people. Okay, you walk over there while we walk over here. Just, you know. And where was this? Was this in a city? This is, uh, yeah, the suburbs of, I'm, I'm in the suburbs of uh, San Francisco, basically. So East Bay. And was it bad? Like, did you have gangs and stuff? No, this was an academic no. plus middle school. The, the irony is when I got kicked out, and I went from that middle school to what was supposed to be the bad middle school. Man, those students, the teachers didn't, those students didn't leave their desk until the teacher said go. There was so, and I, at that point in time, I smoked weed and drank alcohol and I went to this new school and I'm like, I got no drinking buddies. Like what, don't any of you drink around? <laughs> so I found it incredibly ironic that I was at this academics plus school where there was all this kind of just troublemaking and stuff, but it was because they were very repressive. So the students rebelled against that and then, then we went to I went to this other school that was supposed to be the crummy school in town and uh that the, the teachers were a lot more teachers instead of authoritarians and the students were a lot happier and more well behaved ironically so. wow interesting right yeah okay and, and then you went to high school or you didn't go you said you didn't go to high school because <laughs> you thought it was a prison again right well, I, I learned a very important lesson in middle school, which was to not fight the establishment head on because they will win. Uh, <laughs> I, I got kicked out on bogus stuff, you know, they uh, need to go into that. But so what happened when high school came around was, yeah, I still considered the establishment a joke, but I just decided to have fun with it. And I, I went to school, but I didn't really go to class unless it was a class where I thought I was learning something, in which case I I would go and enjoy it. Uh, but a lot of times I go, if I did go to class, I'd be reading other books. And most of the time my teachers would let me do that. If they they would call on me, if I could answer something, then they wouldn't say anything that I was reading another book. Uh, but I, I would literally go to other classes during class and, and go in and talk to, just randomly walk in and talk to the students about how they needed to take responsibility for their own education because the system was shot. And the teachers would let me. They'd be like, she's right. <laughs> Oh my God. Well, I just had a lot of fun in high school and I didn't really go, you know, I spent a lot of time uh, in the park <laughs> smoking, you know, I had friends that had dropped out. So I'd get signed into class and then I'd leave and, and go hang out with my dropout buddies. And <laughs> But I was always educating myself. I read all the time. Yeah. Uh, I just, I just was not impressed with what we were being taught. So I did what I had to pass. <laughs> So you passed and you did go to college. You went to liberal art. Where did you end up going for liberal arts? Yeah. So we uh, we have some local junior colleges in the area and I sort of bounced around to them. And the deal with my parents was I could I could stay at home if I put myself through college. So so I took them up on that. I wasn't really ready to figure out like a career. What? So so I did the liberal arts thing, but again, it ended up being a little bit of a disappointment because you know, I wanted to know real things. I wanted to like be getting real. <laughs> oh, I to know well, here you are. Look, you here are. so eventually I found Hillary. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then, so then what happened? So you, you graduated. So you were doing your thing. So I was doing my disappointed. Thing. I, disappointed. I, I got the, uh, I got the degree, but I just was like, there's no direction I can go on where these people are going to, it's, I just didn't feel very enlightened. I mean, I would, I would ask questions. I remember really pissing off a biology teacher I had because I kept asking her why she'd be like, and then the organism goes like this because it responds to this. And I'm like, well, how does it know to respond that way? <laughs> she would just get so annoyed with me. I'm like, why? Like a kid, but why? <laughs> I was like, nobody knows why. Why are you guys all acting like you know why? Just say you don't know, but this is what it does. But the, but there was that sort of, you know, pretentious uh, academia sense of we're teaching you about the world. It's like, no, you're really not. <laughs> but uh, it's okay. You don't know anything. Yeah. You kind of just don't know anything because you're in this box. Regurgitating. <laughs> all right. So, so then uh, what? So what did you do after? So what did I you did, do after? I went back and I started over, actually, because... I always knew that music was my path and uh, I had, I never had, we were, we were a working class family. There was no, 
there was no financial abundance there. So all I had was my old player piano from the 1800s that couldn't even be tuned to the actual national average pitch because it was so old. So I never even had an instrument that was in tune. Uh, and, and when I was 15, I got my first guitar. I put it on layaway because I always worked. I always had multiple jobs. And it was only like 160 bucks, but it took me like a year to pay off <laughs> because I put it on layaway. For those of you who don't know what that is, because it sounds like an old fashioned thing, uh, the store held it for me and I would make $10 payments wherever I could. Wow. Took it home when I was around 16. And I and then that was my guitar. I still have it. So I, so I had a guitar and, a, and an old piano. And uh, I was just realizing that the, there was no way uh, that the world wasn't going to become more technological. And I was really intimidated by my music technology. I was just intimidated by anything like that because I don't consider myself to be a, a mechanical sort of brain. And uh, I didn't want that to be roadblock in whatever I wanted to do with music. So I went ahead and, and went back and got a degree in recording arts, which is all about um, music technology and learning how it works. And, and where'd you go for that? Where do they have that degree? Los, Los Medanos College. Okay. So that was that <laughs> still staying? I'm sorry. You were still staying. Sorry. You were still staying at home. You were home for that? Yeah. Yeah. I went ahead and did that. And, uh, okay. and then once, once that was done, I, uh, I I took off and traveled Europe, and uh, I had decided at that point that because I'd been working enough, even though I was in my early twenties, I always worked, and I knew how crazy life was and how demanding work is, no matter what your job is. I always had two or three of them, and how much it consumes you and your time, and I just I, I thought. I have to, I'm giving my life to music. You know, I said it out loud and I went over to uh, what was my dad's computer at the time. And I just looked for work that I could do that would make sure that music was in my life instead of pulling me away from it. And mm. I found a job as a music teacher and uh, I applied for that. Uh, after I got back from Europe, I, I started teaching music and uh, all she wrote and I've been teaching I always performed but uh, I continued to perform while I taught and, um, I would supplement the income by trimming weed up in Northern California and <laughs> that was a nice extra little bit of work because you can't just have one job as a musician you got to be a jack of all trades right? <laughs> trimming weed like pot you mean or yeah yeah grooming the plant uh -huh. you know? yeah wow it, Cash fun adventures if you do that kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now were you still I don't know if the drinking and the pot were became a problem or was that something you ended up stopping or no? <clears throat> What's that saying it's only a problem because I, I had two hands and only one mouth? Is that the how that goes? <laughs> no, uh you know the pot thing never became a big issue because um, my brain, you know, your brain changes and I like to be able to be very, I'm very with my thought mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. doesn't let you do that. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes you need to slow down and go, Whoa, man, those cool trees over there, you know, but I really like that as a general rule. And, and I pretty much stopped. I remember I smoked it a lot when I was younger and I would use it to get to sleep. Because I had a lot of sleeping issues. And I remember what, it was the summer between eighth grade and high school year. And I went, I got up and I grabbed my weed and I didn't have something to smoke it in. So I took an aluminum can and I poked it out, all the holes in it. And I, I had just woken up, so I was kind of shaky. And I, I took my lighter and I went to smoke it. My hand was shaking and I went, oh my God, <laughs> look at me. <laughs> I'm like shaking going to smoke this weed. And, and I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I, it was something about that image, you know, it was like you, you take the uh, drone camera image of yourself and you're like, no, no, I'm not doing this. Uh, so I really didn't smoke much after that, but I love the plant. I love marijuana. I love the the hemp, the, the it's beautiful, the crystals, the colors, the, the foliage, the smell. It's It's got so many benefits. We could if we could switch into a more hemp type of society, we could solve a lot of issues pretty quick. You know, it's it's a beautiful plant. 
I'm just not too fond of being incredibly stoned. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. Good. All right. So we're going to go to our commercial break from our sponsors and right. then we'll come back or maybe, and then maybe we'll do your song. Um, so Doug couldn't find the song that I tried to send him. So he picked another one. For the other commercials, but maybe he needs to do that. But that was cool. Thanks. Is that the one you were talking about? With can you hear? <clears throat> uh, I don't know what I was talking about. <laughs> All right. Well, we won't worry about. I, so, it. No, I don't. I don't think I was referencing that song. <laughs> that song was uh, last month's song. Oh, okay. The month before last. This last month was a little more aggro than that song, and then it'll be a new song this month. Has social-emotional learning become just one more thing on your teacher's plates? Do teachers and students both find it boring and ineffective? Then bring Kikori to your school. Kikori transforms classrooms through experiential SEL activities that help students play, reflect, connect, and grow. Even better, students say it's more fun than recess. Schedule a no-obligation conversation at kikoriapp.com slash bringkikori. K-I-K-O-R-I. Do you ever feel like you can't say what you really want to say? Or that you're stuck or in a holding pattern in your relationships, career, personal life, or finances? Are there things you want in life that you've given up on? Are you resigned that this is as good as it's going to get? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then Hillary Burns, host of the Getting Real with Hillary show, has the solution you need. Hillary is a published author of three books and has a program called The Getting Real Process. This process frees you from what is holding you back, allowing you to create a life you love. Don't believe it? It is hard to believe that it could work, isn't it? The proof is that hundreds of Hillary's clients have used The Getting Real Process and are now free to create whatever they want in relationships, career, finances, enjoying life, or just loving themselves more. So go to realtalkwithhillary.com and order Hillary's book, Real Talk, and set up a conversation. So thank you to our sponsor, Kikori at kikoriapp.com. If you want to bring social and emotional learning to your children, definitely can bring them back from the what happened during COVID. You know, there was no socialization and it can definitely bring them back to being connected, socializing and getting along with other children in a wonderful, wonderful way. Um, and also, if you're not speaking up and you want to take my Real Talk quiz, Get the book, Real Talk, go to 
uh, realtalkwithhillary.com and let's get connected. All right. So we are back with Jessica, Leah, and we just heard her song that was so beautiful. Um, so where we were was you had put your guitar on layaway at 16 and now obviously you can play beautifully. Did How did you learn? Did you learn yourself or did you have lessons? Uh, guitar I taught myself. Wow. Um, it's not a, a tough transition from piano to guitar. It's uh, You can see the keys, they all go from lower to higher, right? Well, it's just, so it's just a frequency span, right? Well, each guitar on the, or I'm sorry, each guitar string does the same thing. If you push the frets, it's just a matter of you start low on the higher part of the neck, and as you climb up, the pitch gets higher. So very similar in nature. Um, and I did, in high school, I took, I think, a quarter of guitar class because I wanted to, you know, see if, but, you know, I had a hard time going to class, so. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, okay. Now, if you want to answer, because I just have a question, like you said you were not happy at home. If you want to talk about that or if you just want to go into your music, it's up to you. I don't want to push you, but I'm just, you know, you seem like a rebel. You didn't really like what was going on. You've referred to the Matrix, you know, <laughs> the prison, like what the heck was going just, on? Just always felt that way. Always felt that way. It's never not felt that way. I remember screaming at God, wake me up from this nightmare a little, you know, like I never was convinced ever of uh this the substance of this place you know um but it was i don't really know there was a lot going on there was a lot going on there was a lot of darkness in childhood there was the dark side was coming after me strong it has it has a lot in my life um but the last the last battle we had a number of years ago was the last you know it's not <laughs> it doesn't get to win um but there i don't know i don't know what it was it was i would call it demons uh you i don't know if it was aliens or the CIA or, or WTF. I don't know, but there was a lot going on every day of my life. It never, never stopped. And I couldn't, there was no help, you know, because it was a different time. And I did, I didn't have, really my mom was my only source of love as a child, you know, so I really clung to her, but she had issues going on. She had a lot going on. So my sort of worldly sense of stability was very unstable. And um, there was just, there was no stopping what was happening to me. And I didn't know that I could be as empowered as I became to, you know, to say out with you, Satan. But uh, it was. So was it was it internal an internal struggle or was there stuff happening? It was, it was very in, real. It was uh, there was stuff there all the time. Every every like, I would see it. I would hear it. Um, it was yeah. There was a, there was a lot going on. I don't I don't know. I don't know what it was. I I would call it. I always have been visited in the night. Sometimes it's. I, I was as I got older, I would call it the dead people. Um, but it was it's a lot of things. I and I don't it's always different. Um I've seen it, it, things that I would call demons, plenty of shadow people, but also uh other beings that were of a benevolent nature that I knew were there to help me. You know, it's and and just literally dead people who, you know, uh were there to obviously reach out for some sort of assistance and i and i know i'm doing a lot of work i'm doing a lot of work in invisible realms i don't i literally wake up in those states and i'm like oh this is my other this is my secret agent man life where i go and help souls cross over to vortex to get out of here you know because because it is a prison there's a lot of a lot of trapping going on this zone so i i think that was a part of it was because i i came here as a as an operative for for team light <laughs> and so mm. The dark side doesn't want that. So now I just blew my cover. But anyway. <laughs> right. Shh. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> so, so so it was just, but it wasn't like in your family. It was just something within you, your story. Yeah, the family was very much affected. I mean, I, I sometimes I joke, like we were all possessed by demons back then. You know, it was like, it was a very explosive household. I, I love my family. My family's my heart. Um, but there was some... There was some bad juju. There was some stuff. I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a mess. <laughs> oh, oh, well, here you are. Here, bringing here. the light, still bringing the light, still bringing the energy through your music. So, wow, good for you. It's, again, one of the greatest tools um, for empowerment and neutralizing that energy and untying those emotional knots and setting free. Uh, I, I guess that's. A lot of, for me, what it does is 
you know, we, we have all these knots and blockages that, that get put in us through life. And music is just this great way to untie those and release those. And then when those are gone or free flowy, then what is the natural source of creation can just come right in like it, in my opinion, it was meant to do. And, and music helps remove those blockades. And so to me, it's a, it's a very noble bit of work. I encourage any, any artists out there to, whether it's music or other art, to continue doing them because it's bring your art. Now, does it release it through playing, listening? Like, how does it get? Released? All of the above. All of the above. Okay, That's cool. It's a, uh, it, cool. it can, I could be healed and moved by something I create just as much as someone else's creation can really, can really help to, to heal and move or, or to raise, you know, your, yourself to another transcendental level. I mean, that was, you know, what music in, in religious services or spiritual, you know, rituals and stuff. That's, that was the idea, right? You vibrate and you come mm. to space and that put, that puts your brain in a different mode where you can then connect to altered states of consciousness where it's easier to access the more expansive reality that is the actual reality, not this little pinprick of a, of a place we call an earth. Wow. So, so like music therapy, there is such a thing as music therapy. Did you ever try that? I think, or um, I've, I've looked into it and it's, um, it's more of a, a sort of musical sounds in a lot of cases. Not, I actually did for a while, I went to hospice and I would play music for people and I, I did play at old folks home. And so that sort of sense of music healing, I find that music therapy is a little more a little more targeted like it's treated as a therapy as it as it should be which is to to create a certain vibrational field that you can then come into and balance yourself and fluff all your auras and that sort of a thing and in essence you know rock music or classical music or any other kind of music can do that as well um but i feel like the sort of music therapy that i provide and others like myself is it's a more um uh, pointed sort of uh, way of experiencing music. It's, I don't really know how, what word I would describe it, but it's, it's less nebulous, you know, to have a song with actual structure. A lot of these people use like what we call the pentatonic scale, which is basically a circular way of playing notes. They all kind of circle back into each other. Whereas the sort of music that myself and other, you know, pop artists or whatever create, it's a, it's a tension release kind of thing, you know? Uh, hmm. Yeah, more like a shiatsu massage because <laughs> we don't just make the notes flow in and out of each other sometimes we do but it's really about we take you away from what we call the tonic which is the center tone of the music and we play around out there and you sort of get the uh, and then we bring you back and you go oh. because it, we feel that we feel when we come back home to that tonic so it's this like working of energy through the frequencies and um that happens in sort of what we would call regular music, the tension and release. And do you do that consciously or it just happens when you're creating it? No, it's not. No. It's, so you were talking about your book and you were talking about getting from the left to the right. Were you referring to the brain? Not really. Like I just personally noticed the two sides. So I don't even know if they're, if they're two sides of the brain, but it was, one side everything sucked and something was wrong and I was trying to fix it all the time and like there was basically no hope and I was resigned kind of like your prison you know and you're just like playing you know but but you're not getting anywhere you know you're just kind of rearranging the marbles right and then then I noticed oh but sometimes I'm really happy and I feel like I belong and I'm connected and there's love and anything's possible and I'm like well what if I could spend more time over here it's just more fun so I just start, I, first I said, well, okay, first there's awareness. I have three steps. Awareness. So first, if you're not aware, you're just living it, right? And then acceptance. And then I said, okay, the left side isn't bad. I can accept, I can accept that. And then action, it's like, oh, okay, how, what are techniques that I can get back to the right? So it became fun. Like, like the one, like say you're in a bad, Yeah. Say yeah. you're in a bad mood. Hey, I'm in a really bad mood. Woohoo! Look and at then, me. I'm being a brat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and and you can accept it. You know, you're aware, you accept it, and then you take an action by just saying it out loud or something. And then I I didn't get stuck as long. Sometimes I still do, but sometimes. But but even if you stay there, even if you stay there, you're consciously staying there now, and that is such a big difference between unconscious. I'm like, I'm going to stay in a bad mood, or I'm I'm going to be grumpy. Compare myself to her. I'm going to compare myself and feel terrible, you know? Because <laughs> part of you is still laughing when you do that, when you like yeah. what you're and articulate what behavior you're doing. It's funny, you know, we're funny. Yeah. And it's awareness, you know, like yeah. awareness rather than like you, like we were talking about the emotions. You know, you, you can be really mad, but you're aware that you're mad is different than just being mad. I'm, yeah, I'm mad. Like I am a mad per or something, you know. Because like, you separate no labeling. Yeah. yeah. The awareness, the awareness separates you from the experience. That's been yeah. Actually, that's a lot of the gift that songwriting has given me because you can't write a song about an experience you're having without having some degree of separation from it. And that's a that's a big gift. And it's what you're talking about. I grant you the awareness of your experience instead of being completely consumed by it. Um the left and the right to, to answer your question the reason i asked is because i will often and when i'm communicating with my students i'll refer to the left and the right brain and uh technically depending on you know what scientists you ask that's not really accurate because different parts of the brain fire up for different things all the time but we sort of come up with this model where we understand the left part of the brain to be the analytical labeling organizing a goes to b goes to c goes to d and the right brain as the creative, metaphorical, emotional, spiritual. Oh. So I thought it was interesting that you said that. And uh, and I'll tell my students that when they're learning. I'm like, you just stopped playing because your left brain butted in and said, hey, wait, am I doing this right? But your right brain already has it. So you have to just let your right brain do it. You know, and so when you ask me. That's so great. When you ask me if I was conscious of that when I'm creating, most of the time, I'm just letting the right brain do it. But there are times when I get stuck where I'm like, I don't really know where to go from here. And then I call on the left brain and I'm like, hey, what key are we in? What chord did we just put on? What will, you know, structurally work to, to get from here to there? Like what chord progression could I use to turn this around? And then the brain is like, well, you know, left brain, we were on the one, so we can just go to five and then that'll bring us easily to the four and then you can change keys, you know, and it, and it just explains things for me. So it's a tag team. And then, and, and then it, words if I create something this has been a funny experience working with other musicians because I record with my bands and my musician friends they're not my bands but uh and I have to present to them a song in a way that they can understand what's going on and it's funny because sometimes I'll realize up until that point I've never thought of what's going on they'll be like what's happening here like what's your and I'm like I don't know (laughs) wow then I have to look at it and go oh shit sorry guys I changed the time signature for two measures I'm sorry I was really obnoxious <laughs> all right so you know what we've, we've been talking about a lot of stuff and I want to make sure we get to how people can support you because we have four minutes left can you believe that oh my so, gosh okay well let me get I know I told you I was incredibly verbose an hour would not be a problem <laughs> right exactly so okay so please, so please come come to the show come to my video series it's called me and my song it's a basic breakdown it's one episode per month but I release a video each week so it's four parts and the way it works is the first week I explain the story behind the song what inspired it the circumstances surrounding it anything could happen in part one it's called when a song is born Cartoons will appear, characters will appear, weird things will happen, but you'll get an idea of where the song came from. And part two is called The Raw Reveal, so that'll be the second week of every month. It is the second week of every month, and I perform the song just solo, just like you guys saw a minute ago. It's just me and my guitar or me and my piano, so that the audience can hear what the song sounded like straight out of the factory. You know, no bells and whistles. Um, and then part three, I take the audience, anybody interested in the technical side of things or just having fun with me and the guys, we go in studio, into the recording studio, and we actually record the song so the audience can actually see how that plays out and all the shenanigans that go on during that. And then the final week of the month, the fourth week of the month, I present the song and it's fully mixed, mastered, produced version, <clears throat> excuse me, and using cuts from throughout the month. I'll use video cuts from when the guys and I were in the studio I'll use cuts for me on the stage. Like when I did the solo, I'll use video cuts for me actually doing the vocals. And then, then there's might be some other surprises. Like I've been using some animation this season and 
Uh, I'm working, I'm releasing season, season three right now. So I have two full seasons out and half of another season. So there's plenty of entertainment. Uh, you can see how the show has grown. I, I went into it knowing nothing about nothing, but you know, I'm kind of kamikaze like that. Oh, let's go let's do it. But so as a sharp learning curve, but things have been uh, improving and, and it's what I do. It takes all my time, takes all my blood, sweat and tears, but I'm leaving something. If you really want to like understand the inspiration, I always draw people to the very first, episode the very part one of episode one of me and my song and i tell the story this is why this is why i'm doing this video series this is where i'm coming from and you'll get a good good handle on that and how long is the season is the season the four episodes or is that like a lot it's, of an, it's an entire year a season is a year and it, and that's an album oh. so if, when i say season i'm saying it's a way for me to represent an album to the world because i wanted to channel it through a platform that was more interesting than just throwing my music out there here's mm -hmm. the album you know because because it's so the the field is so saturated with so much music i wanted to have a way to to filter it in through a platform that was interesting and i found that a lot of the things that I do in the show are things that people ask about over my years as a performer. People always want to know about the song. They always want, they always ask you about that. Some people want to know about how this was recorded or, or you know, what the sound is in the song or whatever. So uh, I just try to put all of that in the video series. And, mm. and then that way I release an album every, it's not every year because it's on average, it's been taking me two years to create one season of the show. Okay doing everything it's all by my lonesome so it's a lot of work but. yeah i mean that's a lot to come up with but obviously you're doing it so anyway doing thank it. you is there yeah we have one minute is there anything and we got a commercial left to play is there anything you want to leave the audience with that you haven't said thank you for being here yeah hey thank you guys for being here thank you for having me i've been watching your show and i love all the guests that i've seen on there i'm like man those are the people that i would want to call up and hang out with you know so I'm really glad to be here. Thank you. And I'm sure your audience is killer because if they're coming to see the people you invite, then they must be a cool bunch of kids themselves. You guys take care of yourselves. Take care of yourselves. And I always say on my show, keep singing your song. Mm, thank you. And again, we're dedicating this to Shannon, Jessica's cousin. And um, thank you all. Don't forget, real talk. If you're not saying what you want to say, go to realtalkwithhillary.com or to see Jessica, jessicalea.com or meandmysong.com.org or .net. Thank all you so much for being here. got them all. <laughs> yes. Thank you.